This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the EdTech Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. I'm back on my favorite of the 14 podcasts. Don't tell anyone else, but... You know, like I've said before, I've got a passionate place in my heart for education and ed tech content. Just growing up with great professors, great teachers, and seeing the impact that educators have on students, it just always gets me fired up to talk about how technology is empowering those really passionate and influential people. So you're always going to get some tearful commentary from me, maybe not actual tears, but maybe you can hear my soul crying out as I dive into these topics. So I hope everyone has had a great week so far. We've got some solid content on today's show. Before we jump in, I do want to obviously shout out the Super Bowl. We are fresh off the Super Bowl. Um, probably one of the slowest games I've seen in a while and a pretty uneventful halftime performance. I am a big Travis Scott fan and a SpongeBob fan. Um, so seeing SpongeBob introduce rapper Travis Scott was a kind of a weird <laughs> crossover for me that I didn't know I needed and now I need more of it. But for the most part, wasn't very impressed with the whole shebang. I thought it was a pretty lackluster game, lackluster performance. Probably the only thing that was keeping me glued to the television were the commercials. Um, you know, that's not very unheard of. Most people that don't care about the football watch the commercials, though this year, I mean, there were just some pretty average commercials. Uh, a few did stand out. The Bud Light, uh, Bud Knight commercial, where the uh, mountain from Game of Thrones crushed his head in, and then a dragon came in and fried all the Bud Light kingdom people. What a weird crossover. Last night was a big, weird crossover night, but I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. It was inventive. Definitely a solid commercial. Though, I definitely have to shout out my favorite commercial, and it is pretty EdTech, actually. It was the Microsoft Adaptive Controller commercial. So we saw a lot of children with some kind of physical disability that were now able to play their favorite game on Xbox because they had the adaptive controller, which you can very tangibly change up depending on what kind of experience you need. You need giant buttons for every button on the controller. Boom, we can have those. You need pedals to represent the right and left triggers. Boom, we can represent those. The joysticks are giant buttons, impossible to miss and very easy to use. It's a really interesting piece of technology. Um, I got to shout out Jordan Reeves. She was one of the girls on the commercial. She's the one who you've probably seen her just go viral with the glitter cannon on her arm. I actually know Jordan. Um, her father, Randy Reeves, he was my news director at KOMU 8 News in, <laughs> in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, so small world. I've met Jordan a couple times. She's uh, amazing. I mean, she is so funny and has such bright ideas. And the way that she's found empowerment and not limitations in her physical disability is just amazing stuff and definitely an inspiration to all of us. But more on the commercial specifically, 
I just think that this is a really encouraging step forward for gaming technology um, because it's showing that large staple companies, especially you know ones like Microsoft, you're seeing them find ways to bring their games to all audiences, and I think this affects the education space too. I mean, what kind of technology can assist in the classroom like this? Maybe it's this literal adaptive controller. I think there's a lot to learn from games, um, whether it's just fun games, whether it's actual educational games, and bringing this kind of technology to the classroom so that everyone can play and everyone can can really feel like they're getting the maximum experience is important. So I'm interested in seeing how teachers utilize these controllers in schools, whether it's for competitive esports, which is taking off, and I'm sure there are a lot of players who maybe suffer from a physical disability who could get in there and rock uh, an esports competition if they had a controller that was better suited for their needs. Or maybe we could just see the controller in a lesson plan. Um, you know, getting everyone engaged is very important. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how this kind of tech makes its way to the classroom. And if it does in a substantial way, you know you'll hear it first here on Market Scales EdTech Podcast. So for our content today, I want to dig into two pretty talked about topics in the EdTech space. One is AR, and the other is EdTech in the workplace. And on the AR subject, you might be thinking, haven't we heard enough about AR in EdTech? Maybe, naysayers would say. Uh, you know, I know with a lot of this tech in the classroom, there's often parents, there's often people outside of the education space that say, why are we bringing VR to the classroom? How is this going to impact my kids? Is this just distracting them? But the advocates for it are very passionate and they find a lot of solid use cases for bringing this tech to the classroom. Increases soft skills, makes presentations more engaging. The list goes on and on. And there's a lot to unpack here, especially as AR evolves alongside other technology like Web 3.0. So let's bring on one of my favorite collaborators to the podcast, Dr. Monica Burns, to dissect this cross-section of tech in the education world between AR and Web 3.0. I'm excited to jump in, so let's go. All right, I am pleased to re-welcome Dr. Monica Burns on our EdTech podcast. She is a frequent collaborator of ours, and I always enjoy chatting with Monica, breaking down her thoughts on the future and the now of EdTech. She's the founder of Class Tech Tips, a EdTech blog, and Monica and I are going to be dissecting one of her blog posts. It came out on January 25th, but the concept of it really intrigued me, and I think it's a cool intersection of different trends meeting and empowering tools in the classroom. So we're going to be discussing her blog titled Augmented Reality Creation Tool for a web 3.0 future. Monica, great to have you back on. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Excited to be here to chat with you today. So Monica, you were just at FETC, right? Tell me a little bit about that before we jump into your blog. Yes. So I was a featured speaker at FETC in Orlando again this year. So it was lots of fun, a nice busy schedule. Yeah. Um, we're hot leading us several sessions on a couple panels, as well as uh, some conversations at booths down at the expo floor. So it was wonderful to connect and share and just meet some folks who, you know, you spend time with talking and on other platforms and social networks. So it was a really productive uh, few days down there this past week. So you said you were a featured speaker. What was your talk on and how did it go? So I led a workshop the first day I was down there on 
school branding and storytelling with Adobe Spark, which was lots of nice. fun. And then I had a few other sessions, one um, connected to my book, Tasks Before Apps, so really thinking about thoughtful task development, also looking at the Adobe Spark tools for creation in the classroom, as well as some formative assessment tools in one session, and another one on strategies for readers who are using digital devices. So kind of going through some of my, my favorite subjects to talk and chat about. So it was a really fun, fun few days down there. Definitely. Well, I mean, it sounds like you definitely spread yourself out and had a lot of content to cover, which is good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go ahead and jump into your blog post here. So uh, this concept of AR being a creation tool for a Web 3.0 future, uh, why don't you dissect for us this concept of Web 3.0 first? Um, what is it and how is it being used or at least just seen in the classroom? So in this blog post, which I um, wrote in partnership with the folks at 3D Bear, so they're an awesome augmented reality tool we can chat a little bit about too, um, I made some connections to this idea of Web 3.0. I gave a shout out to Peter Diamantis, who wrote the book Abundance, The Future is Better Than You Think, really saying that we've spent a lot of time, you know, in the past few years, really emphasizing the importance of computer science and coding as a new literacy skill. Mm -hmm. And so to expand and add on to that, really looking at the way 3D modeling uh, fits into the way we think about the future. So 3D models go into a wide range of things when we examine augmented reality and virtual reality in the classroom, when we talk about iterative processes and development, getting feedback, making things that we can now hold in our hands and get a, a feel for as we move through a design process. Um, it was one thing that I wanted to focus on in this article were the connections to that and the way we can use augmented reality in the classroom. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the concept of bringing the internet and bringing the power of the internet to the classroom isn't something new, but as it becomes more integrated with every aspect of the teaching process, there's there's a lot to get across to students from digital literacy to digital citizenship, which is what we were chatting about at ISTE back in June. And I think, you know, it, it was a it was a big talking point and something that we're still looking for in 2019. How are school districts and just individual teachers pushing that idea of digital citizenship, which is a whole other conversation. But I think it all ties into using technology in the classroom in actionable ways and insightful ways. Um, and I think that brings us back to AR, which is just one of many emerging technologies that people love to talk about in the classroom. Um, I know we did a piece with the uh, education director at HP, um, and he was telling us all about how VR is going to transform the classroom, right? And we posted about it on our Twitter, and there are always some naysayers that say, oh, why would we bring VR into the classroom? You're just going to distract kids, etc. And so it's interesting to see that dichotomy between blogs like yours and a lot of talk within the community about how this technology is impacting the classroom. But then when you step out and you look at it from an outside perspective, it's always no VR, AR is just going to distract our kids. Uh, what are your thoughts on that general that general chat around bringing VR and AR to the classroom. I know you're a big fan of it, obviously, and a big advocate, but what would you say to the people that uh, don't see it as positively? 
Well, it's really interesting that you bring that up because that was something that at the end of one of my sessions, I think um, it was my session on using reading tools uh, this year at at FBTC, I was um, speaking with two educators and, you know, they came up and they talked to me about one of their kind of biggest takeaways from the presentation, which was, you know, my focus really on the strategies when at a tech conference, sometimes, you know, things can feel a little bit more bright and shiny and isn't this cool and new, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the combination of both of those things, right, the strategies and the things that are bright, shiny, and exciting, right, don't necessarily have to be a bad thing. And I definitely understand where people are coming from when they question the use cases of new digital tools or things that come across as being a little flashy or not like an obvious connection to classroom. And I think they're coming from a good place of really questioning, right, what is the curriculum connection? What is the purpose of this? And I don't know that everyone who talks about virtual reality and augmented reality um, from a product standpoint, so someone who works at a company and has this great product that they want to share, I don't know that they always do the best job, at least across the board, with making the connections to the curriculum that everyone is trying to tackle, the learning goals that we know we want students to have experience interacting with. There's some folks who do a really great job of demonstrating right how this connects to long-term goals, transferable goals outside of the classroom. But I think there's room for all of us to make sure that we are doing our best job to show off the purpose behind these tools. So I think that folks who are questioning are coming from a great place. And I hope that they, um, you know, as they, push people to be held a little bit more accountable for those curriculum connections, that they also do just as good of a job listening in to those folks who can make those connections. Because I think that there's so much that we can do with VR, with AR, you know, in this post where I talk about the folks at 3D Bear, you know, if you look at something with augmented reality from a surface level, it might just seem a little, you know, bright and shiny, but then you dive into, say, their um, set of resources. They have a whole lesson library full of, you know, standards-based connections. You can start to get those wheels spinning about why you might actually bring this in, right, beyond the wow or cool factor, which is nice sometimes, but that's not going to really be sustainable. And so that's really what we're looking for here, something that really has a true purpose purpose, whether we can identify it on the first look or we just have to step back for a moment and say, you know, how does this actually connect to our learning goals? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, every new piece of tech or every new methodology brought to the classroom definitely needs to have that intentional back end or, yeah, it's not going to be successful. Couldn't agree more. So let's jump in a little more into the idea of AR in the classroom and how you're seeing it connect with Web 3.0. So this concept of Web 3.0, where we're going to be seeing more interconnection, we're going to see the use of blockchain technology and machine learning, making the web even more personalized, more um, intuitive for what the user is looking for, I think is an exciting future for the web. It's definitely going to flip sort of what we know the web as. Um, So how do you see AR kind of fit into that conversation? I guess how in your article, you bridge the two concepts. What did you have in mind when you were trying to bridge those two concepts here in the blog? 
Well, in this particular blog where I'm talking about, you know, some of these goals around emerging technologies and technologies that are here and ready for us to dive into, I'm really looking at the 3D modeling angle and how nice. that connects to augmented reality in the classroom. So this idea that you can, yes, create a 3D model and maybe you 3D print that, you know, and that's nice and great if you have those resources, uh -huh. but that might not always be what you really need in the moment. You might not be looking to design an object to hold in your hand. You're thinking on a larger scale of placing an object within a particular space. So 3D modeling can help um, you know, us develop a picture for what an object will look like. But if we want to place that object in an environment instead of just printing it out, and I don't mean to be dismissive of the 3D printing connection, it's just a different use case. Um, in this way, with augmented reality, we can, you know, layer something on top of an environment. And in this case, it can be a 3D model that students have searched for, that they've found, or that they've created themselves. And so in this article, we look at the technology that kind of helps make that happen. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think any sort of visual way to get students more interested in coding and coding language is definitely beneficial. And it's something that we're seeing not just relegated to a math class, right? But could uh -huh. be used in just any any classroom from your sort of combined primary classroom where your teacher is giving you a science lesson, uh, an English lesson, and a math lesson, and all could probably use some great 3D modeling to more advanced higher education. Um, as you dig into deeper concepts, um, 3D modeling and I interactive lesson plans will definitely come in handy and definitely engage students more. Um, tell me some examples of how you're seeing 3D modeling and this idea of AR using that 3D modeling and then the back end of it and getting to interact and create your own model, um, how you're seeing that used not only in primary education, but secondary, maybe even higher education. Yeah. So when you mentioned that idea of the, you know, the project connection or the kind of thematic development of activities, which we see happen very often in elementary classrooms where teachers are teaching all the content area to the same group of students. Um, on this particular, you know, new blog post, I do give a, a shout out or a mention to a blog post that I did at the end of last year that looked at the same augmented reality tool um, talking about phenomenon-based learning. So this idea that we're looking at our environments and we're placing things in different environments and you know augmented reality can really you know make that happen too. So in a you know middle school or high school classroom, you may have students developing models that represent a concept that they are investigating in a math, you know, part of their day, or they might also be looking at things more thematically or integrated when they are developing something based on their research of a particular space um, or time in history, then they're visiting that place or finding a simulation of that place and layering that right on top of it through that 3D modeling. So there's a variety of things that can happen. And what I really like about this you know, particular resource that I mentioned in the article, the 3D Bear folks, is that they have a lot of uh, standards-based lessons you know, already there. And I had a chance to meet with their team in New York. I was invited to speak at an event that they we're doing at the Consulate General of Finland um, in New York 
I've lived in New York City for a long time, and it was a be- it's always nice to uh, go to a new spots, a new location, so a beautiful spot, but then surrounded by folks who are really interested in this specifically. And I had a chance to talk to um, Susan Scalfani, who I mentioned in the article. Actually, she's an ambassador for them, but you know, more importantly, in this case, she's a lead librarian at a school district not too far uh, from where I grew up, actually, and she uses this with her students to do a wide range of things or exploring different concepts um, within her space. And um, I had a chance to actually see, and I'd share in the article, a video that kind of shows this in action in her learning environment. So it's been really interesting to have those conversations with educators, you know, on the ground where they're seeing the same students every day, where I bounce around a little bit more um, with my professional learning Um and training that I do now. Uh, So it was really great to meet her and to talk to her about the way that she's using augmented reality with her students. So it's happening in lots of different spaces. And it's been great to see these very clear standards connections as well. Yeah. And I love that augmented reality is being used in several different ways. And mostly because I think there's a lot of value to getting students acclimated to technology like this early in their academic career. Not only does it engage them with the technology and they can find use out of it early on, but I think there's a lot of, I guess, secondary effects to getting familiar with even like just creating a 3D model, interacting with a 3D model, Uh understanding, um, understanding what makes this operate? How do I change an element of this model? Because computer science jobs are not going away. In fact, they're probably expanding and they're changing on a day-to-day basis. So getting these students interested in these STEM fields and in, in an industry that is leading most of the job creation for probably the next several years, maybe decades, is definitely a, a, uh, a good plan, I'd say. Absolutely. And I think that the more that we can acknowledge the careers of the future, make sure that we, and today I should even limit it to saying that it's, you know, happening at some later date, it's here. Right. And this is not something that is, you know, just in one industry, right? Having this 3D modeling, these simulations are something that can pop up in, in lots of different places. So I think it's really exciting to provide these opportunities for students to explore, to try things out and to really learn about what um, different kinds of ways they can apply this type of, of science right into different different workflows throughout their their school day. Right. So my next question and probably our last one here before we wrap up is this technology is obviously great. Uh, we're seeing that it engages students in really unique ways, um, not only for soft skills, but hard skills. Now, I think the last piece here is just accessibility and affordability for teachers or school districts. Are you seeing these kind of tools be purchased or used by individual teachers because uh, school districts aren't taking them on entirely? Are you seeing entire school districts say, we want to implement this into our workflow? I guess, how are you seeing AR make its way into the classroom on a logistical level? And what are some challenges that are maybe still keeping it from becoming a standard in every classroom? 
Well, you absolutely, you know, just like any type of technology or really anything new, right, have your early adopters who are diving in right away, who are making it work despite any logistical challenges um, that might come up, right? So those folks are definitely there or making things happen regardless of what other type of logistical challenges might get in the way. It's been interesting to see a different, you know, makerspaces and folks talking about makerspaces, think about the different types of tools they want to have in those space, right? So yes, a 3D printer, you can hold that model in your hand and that's really right a fantastic thing when students are designing something. But with the augmented reality component, you can kind of expand what kids are, are making in a sense, at least in the scale of it. So I'm interested to see what adoption looks like in those spaces that sometimes lend schools and districts a little bit more flexibility in terms of integration. And so that's a place that, that my eyes are, are watching as well. Well, Monica, thank you for your insight. I always appreciate getting you on the EdTech podcast, and especially when we're chatting about emerging technology like this, it's always a very nuanced conversation. There's so many factors that go into how is this being used correctly, who's using it, um, how are we seeing it evolve day to day? I mean, we're talking about AR now, but I'm sure in a couple months, we're probably going to start seeing simulated reality make its way into the classroom or blank reality, right? It's always something new. It's hard to stay ahead of the curve, honestly. So, Um, I'm glad that we can have you on to help us stay ahead of the curve. So thanks, Monica, for giving your insight on this. If you want to read the whole blog, you should head to Monica's site at classtechtips.com. We'll link it in the description of the podcast. She's got plenty of solid content on there. Thanks for coming, Monica. Thanks so much for having me. Always excited to talk to you about these things. Thanks again to Dr. Monica Burns. Love chatting with her always. She's a super busy influencer, runs her own blog. So locking her in for content is always a treat. I'm always looking to her for some of the biggest news in the industry. And, you know, she gets that very personal relationship with the teachers and understands how a lot of this technology affects the individual teacher, not just the general structure of the education industry. So always a treat. Looking forward to bringing her back on. Let's go ahead and jump into our second piece of content, which gets a personal perspective on education and education technology in the workplace instead of the classroom. And we'll be hearing from our very own director of operations and EdTech contributor, who after deepening her roots into the EdTech B2B community, has seen just how valuable continued education can be for a successful workplace, especially in industries where innovation happens almost daily. Alright, so we're joined in the studio by Emily Rector. She is the Director of Operations at MarketScale and one of our in-house EdTech contributors. And... Emily has a deep passion for EdTech, but what she wants to talk about specifically today takes EdTech out of the classroom, and like I said, we're looking at EdTech within the workplace. And here at MarketScale, we have a lot of tangible experience for how this has come in handy, so we'll chat about that. We'll look at general trends for which companies are using EdTech to change training, to change in-house regulations. It's a pretty tangible topic and something that I think is very timely. So great to have Emily in here to chat about it. Emily, how are you doing today? 
Good. How are you? I'm great. Is this your first podcast? This is my first podcast. Well, Exciting. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's it's a good one. So, oh, and, and I meant that as I hope it's a good one for you. Not, I hope, I, so I hope you deliver on the content. <laughs> you better deliver. You're never coming back. Right. Um, so, Emily, this subject of ed tech in the workplace, um, when I prompted you for, hey, let's, let's explore something on today's ed tech podcast, what drew your mind specifically to ed tech in the workplace? What really drew me to this topic is here at MarketScale, you know, we really push our employees to get on Udemy. Yeah. Um, it's a really great tool that we use. And, you know, on Udemy, there's over 100,000 courses you can take and on every single topic. So yeah. um, being able to have our employees get on Udemy has been amazing. So I really wanted to dive in into what exactly our company's doing out there for their employees and educating their employees and training their employees. Yeah. And I actually found, you know, some really cool stuff out there. They're using, you know, VR. But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it more. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So <laughs> let's dig into Udemy, as you said, although I think it's Udemy, right? Or oh. <laughs> Have you been saying it wrong your whole I life? I always say Udemy. Well, see, in my head, it was Udemy, like you to me, right? Like, oh, punny, right? Oh, you to me. Yeah, you to me. But it might be Udemy. You, <laughs> you Demi, not me. <laughs> okay, I think I thought of it as like university, how it's like you, so you Demi. I don't know. Yeah. University Demi. <laughs> the University of Demi? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> well, either way, I'm going to say Udemy because that's just how it flows off my tongue. But let's chat about Udemy first. We've actually had someone from Udemy on the podcast. You actually facilitated in booking them, which was great. Thank you, Emily. Um, but I, I think what I love a lot about Udemy is it promotes that idea of continuous education. And it's something that's really important in. A variety of B2B industries. I mean, there are some where continuous education is built in. So I think you look at the AEC industry, there's a lot of training that you have to consistently do to stay up to date on your certifications. To, you know, you have to literally learn and you're forced to learn to stay up to date on things. But there are some industries where if you don't go out of your way to necessarily learn new skills or I don't know, expand your horizons, you won't be forced to other than maybe just in the context of your job. And that can be problematic because when you go to work, you don't want to say, all right, my education days are over. Really, it should be the stepping stool. I mean, you got your degree. Now it's time to learn and develop these practical skills in your industry. And I feel like Udemy is really helping do that. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Udemy, not Udemy, or Udemy, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it's really cool because, you know, we have a lot of different jobs here at MarketScale. And if you're a graphic designer, or you're an account manager, there's something on there for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a really good selling point for it because, yeah, it doesn't pigeonhole you as an employee. A lot of different industries, you know, the continuing education part isn't there. So especially maybe even with marketing, it's not there. So having right. that for our employees is great. Definitely. Well, and I mean, I know Udemy isn't just for the workspace. You know, anyone can get on Udemy and learn something new. Um, if you just have that personal passion and that personal drive to further your education. But what's great is when I think companies 
enforce, and I mean enforce sounds almost negative, but they promote and encourage the use of courses on Udemy or just just general concept of continued education to keep their employees sharp and keep them ready for changes in the industry. I think that's really important because a lot of times you can't really expect your employees to have that drive. You have to give it to them and find the tools to make it accessible. Um, So I think a lot of that responsibility, especially in in industries where innovation is breakneck, right? Like software and technology, pro AV. I mean, you have a new product, a new, you know, something with smaller LED pixel pitch, or you have something that is transforming how AI is used and your employees have, you know, they're struggling to keep up. So yeah, I really think it's important in this day and age for the company to take that sense of responsibility for continuous education. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I actually read something really interesting. 68% of people in the workplace actually want to learn. Yeah. They don't want to just sit there and, you know, do nothing. They want to expand their skill set and they they want to take these courses. So whenever you're able to provide that to your employees as like a benefit, um, yeah. you're going to see, you know, retention and you're going to see engagement, you know, all over the place. So. Yeah. Well, and the technology itself, I think, plays a big part in that, too. Um, You mentioned AR and VR at the beginning of this. Let's dig into that a little bit. What have you seen technology-wise that's promoting better training and more engagement from employees from business to business? Yeah. So there is a ton of new technology out there involving AR, and it's not just for entertainment purposes anymore. You can use it for training your employees. Um, There's a lot of companies out there doing it right now. I actually read um, about Walmart using AR. So you know when it's Black Friday, they're Mm -hmm. dealing with crazy amounts of, you know, customers and everything. They're starting to have their um, employees train using AR technology and they're able to kind of deal with these certain situations where they might have like a long line of customers um, waiting or maybe they're dealing with, you know, stocking issues or anything like that. So Walmart is kind of taking the charge and using AR in that way. And I think even beyond just the practicality of the technology, it makes your company more appealing and probably is going to keep your employees around or it's going to encourage people to apply for your jobs if they hear word of mouth or they just know, hey, when you're training for that next big part of your job, guess what? You're going to be doing it with an Oculus Go or you're going to be doing it um, you know, in an AR environment. That is pretty second to none. I mean, no matter what industry you're participating in, if you're job training consists of putting on goggles and getting to interact with the virtual world. That's pretty cool. And um, it's something that companies, I think, can use in their branding and their marketing as, hey, we're cutting edge. You should come work for us because we're putting you in the situation and we're having you really interact with that situation as training, not just fill out a quiz or not just watch a video and, and say, all right, you got it, right? Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. Um Companies need to start thinking about their workforce, you know, in a couple years. Yeah. In about two years, the workforce is going to be 50% millennials. Hmm. By 2030, it's going to be 75% millennials. 
That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. The millennials are taking over. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking over. Uh-huh. So, you know, when you have millennials, you have to think of a new way to train these millennials. They grew up with VR. Right. They know what VR is. They've used it before. Um, so it's only natural just to implement that into the way they do their job. Yeah, agreed. And it's not like the market isn't responding to this either. I mean, we're literally seeing venture capitalists invest in edtech ventures and encourage people to bring those ventures to the workplace. Um, I want to cite specifically uh, an Arizona State Summit. They partnered with Global Silicon Valley back in April of 2018 and met with several venture capitalists, company executives, startup entrepreneurs. And really what they were doing is just getting a sense for where entrepreneurs putting their time, energy, and effort, what is popping off. And one of the big takeaways was VR, but not just VR, VR in the classroom and not just VR in the classroom, but VR in the workplace. It is a lucrative market. And like you mentioned, Emily, Walmart utilized VR for their employee training. And uh, Derek Belch, he's the CEO of Striver Labs, um, his company was actually the ones responsible for bringing that VR to Walmart. And he noted that when they used it, 70% of trainees who used that VR did better than those who did not, which is pretty incredible that just one change of technology can engage employees that much, which just goes to show as ed tech companies continue to find new ventures or continue to find ways to expand their VR offerings, they shouldn't just look at the classroom. There is a just as much of a lucrative market in the B2B space. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, whenever you think education, you think a classroom. Um, a lot of these new startup companies and companies like Striver are doing amazing things in the workplace. And actually, Striver, they worked with an insurance company and they turned a three-hour presentation, like training for their employees into a 12-minute VR experience. Right. Think about all the time you're saving whenever you're doing a 12-minute presentation versus a three-hour. Right. I mean, it's like an exponential build. Not only do you save time there, but then your employees get to spend more time working, which is more efficient on you. It gives more time for employees to be you know, getting your company money. I mean, it all snowballs from minimizing one event, which is pretty incredible the way technology can do that. It can have that domino effect. So I'm looking forward to not just schools taking on the next level of ed tech, whatever that might be, and you know finding innovative ways to engage students, but I'm hoping that companies can lead the way as well and find ways to engage their employees in a more B2B way. I really think that's probably one of the biggest markets for ed tech content here in the next year, but I could be wrong. We'll see. We'll uh, stay tuned on the ed tech podcast for more content on that. Always. We're always looking at how the classroom and how the workplace is evolving with new tech. So Emily, thank you for your insight on this. I'm looking forward to bringing you back on in the future when there's some more big news on ed tech in the workplace. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again to Emily Rector for her insight on that subject. I always love when our personal team gets to become the thought leaders in these industries because, you know, we work day in and day out on so much content from such a variety of different industries that eventually you start to pick up on a lot of these trends. You start to notice 
what is hot in the market right now? You know, which influencers are really popping off? Um, what technology is driving the biggest change or introducing the biggest challenges in an industry? So Emily, with her personal passion for education and her entrenchment into the ed tech community, I think you know her insight is very valuable. And I love when the MarketScale team gets to provide that insight. So thanks again to Emily, thanks to Dr. Monica Burns, and thanks to all of you for listening to today's episode of the MarketScale EdTech Podcast. That does mean that the episode is over, but don't fret, there's more content around the corner. You know, we release these podcast shows about once a week, sometimes it's every other week depending on the industry, but there's always some intermittent content while you're waiting on the next show. Uh, we have a podcast with Synergistic that we actually just recently dropped. They're a company that focuses specifically on providing energy-saving solutions for schools and school districts, finding ways to bring that money back to where it needs to be, often teacher salaries, more security, you name it. It's a really interesting podcast, and this time we talk about teacher retention with Tony Erickson of Synergistic. You should check that podcast out. Plenty of content. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the MarketScale EdTech Podcast show or just explore some of our other industry content, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. Plus, if you want to join us for a conversation on the EdTech Podcast, you think you have some valuable insight, or you know someone who is just waiting to become a thought leader, hit me up. I'm always looking to source our audience for the next best story. You can shoot me an email at daniel.litwin at marketscale.com. Again, daniel.litwin at marketscale.com. And once again, I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Mm-hmm.